today I'm joined by Jane Ordaz Stubbs. So Jane is British and she is married to a Mexican living in Mexico. She's also proudly menopausal. Um, she's a qualified coach and mentor with 30 plus years of supporting others to fulfill their potential. She's an intercultural dialogue facilitator, and she spent many years in the UK in the arts and not-for-profit sector in roles that enabled her to support marginalized and underrepresented groups to get a seat at the table. In 2020, she founded the Menopausal Expat to support women living an international life with menopause. She's all about finding the thing that rocks your boat and creating this next phase of your life as one to be the best that you can. So welcome, Jane. Thank you. Thank you for such a nice introduction, <laughs> Kate. <laughs> well, it just, it, it sounds so fabulous. So maybe we can just start out um, with you telling us about your journey. And in your case, you know, your literal journey from um, the UK to Mexico. Wow. So I'll bear in mind, this is not a marathon podcast because that could take us quite, quite a long time. So the crux of me has always been <clears throat> getting people to tell their story, to, ha to have that voice at the table, be that uh, in a local authority or the voice within the family or the voice that they want to share with the world. So I realize that's every, that's what I always come back to because I've done quite a few varied things in my life. Mostly I spent a long time working in the arts and was working with writers and small publishers. And before that, I worked in participatory arts and community publishing. So again, that always comes right back to the voice. And before I came to Mexico, I was working for a charity that supported talented young musicians. And in the meantime, I'd got married and I'd had a child when I was in my mid-40s and I was living this life in England and we were like, this opportunity came up to move to Mexico. And me being me went, woohoo, that's so exciting. And just took this huge leap of faith, not realising that I would be giving up a lot in order to gain a lot. So I didn't think so much about that thing that I was giving up. And what I did know about myself was that I'm pretty resourceful. And I thought, you know, I'm pretty sure that we can make something happen. I can make something happen in Mexico for myself. So I guess I had to take all that resilience and all that courage and all that tenacity and creativity that I had and try and make it happen for me in Mexico. So I arrived and I remember prizing myself out of the arms of my best friend, like sobbing, like, <laughs> really, like I felt like I was having my soul ripped out and not anticipating that, not thinking about that at all either. And I arrived in Mexico to this Airbnb in Mexico City and, you know, it was all pretty good. It was all okay. You're busy, busy, busy. There's many things you're doing. And I arrived in the town we now live in and started to, people will laugh. Honestly, I know people will be listening to this and they will laugh. I was bad tempered. I was not wanting to go anywhere. I was sitting in a darkened boudoir reading all these novels that I would bought brand new on Amazon 
and not kind of feeling fatigued. I was having huge hot flushes, but it was Mexico and it was November and it was warm. So I was thinking, oh, these are the things that are happening. At the same time, about, well, within about a couple of months of arriving here, I'd started to train to teach English because everyone said, you speak English, go and train to, you know, teach English. So I thought, no, 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 I need to learn how to teach English. So I went off to a local university to learn how to teach English, was like sobbing at the bus station because I couldn't even get them to understand that I wanted to a ticket to the next town or a ticket back to where I lived. And I, I found it very hard. And I literally one day was having this hot flush and I just had a vision of my mom wiping her eyebrows with tissues and all of us you know, we used to call her Sweaty Betty, my poor mum. Like, we used to call up Sweaty Betty's at it again. And I suddenly went, oh my gosh, it, that's what's happening to me. It's the menopause. And when that fell into place, it didn't take away all those things that I thought were difficult, but it certainly gave it a name and enabled me to think, okay, so what do I do? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Like, what do you do? I don't know. It's like when I got pregnant, I was like, oh, what do I do now? Like, do I tell someone? What do I have to do? It's a very strange feeling, isn't it? So I didn't know what to do. So I started searching on the internet and searching on for Facebook groups and found many, many Facebook groups for menopause. Felt a little, felt isolated from them really because I was like, I'm in a different situation. I'm not in the UK. I'm, I'm not in the US. I, I need to find out what works here. So I was then looking at expat groups and didn't find that happening in that expat group either. So at, a, at around this time that I was doing all my searching, I'd also started um, working with some other coaches, with another coach, uh, looking at a program that supports expats who've moved abroad or about to move abroad to up level to, to you know get more comfortable with it to do the best for themselves with that move and I just thought the people I need to work with are myself like I needed someone to work with me so I kind mm. of this person came into my head really it sounds a bit spiritual I guess in a funny kind of a way but I thought it's the menopausal expat and I have a friend who's a cartoonist and I said to her come on Jax draw me this draw me the menopausal expat and it was very odd because the minute I saw the picture and the name I was like that's it that's my girl and I just set up a Facebook group to see who would come to that group to see if there was any need for, for this and if it was just me, which I had a hunch it wasn't just me. And that's where it was born, really. And that, that group is still growing. And I think we're forming a, a great community, really, because I think women are always better when they're together. When you're talking about these things yourself, you tend to think you're losing your mind a little bit and all you need is another woman to go no no that's cool I I feel that too so that's a bit of a long ramble but that's the story of how I came to be the menopausal expat mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know it's something that I think we just don't think about right someone who is living 
um, in a colder country, like um, where I am in Canada, you just romanticize the idea of one day being able to go and live in a warm country, even for six months of the year. Maybe you can just tell me about what are some of the myths? What wouldn't I think about if I was planning this very romantic kind of getaway to a warm country? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Before, actually, before we moved, I remember my husband saying, Jane thinks she's just going to be in a bikini with a sun hat on, welcoming guests mm. with a bottle of tequila in her hand. So he was obviously teasing me. Mm. And, but I think there is that notion, isn't there, that you move somewhere warm and it's all very nice. And, well, climate is a big thing, isn't it? You know, I still have the British mm. DNA in my body, so I get very excited when it's cold. I'm like, it's very nice. My mm. nose is cold. That's a novelty. <laughs> so... So I did struggle with the heat. I struggled with, you know, when I was teaching in a school, <clears throat> I struggled with what clothes to put on that didn't make me look like I was at the beach because all the clothes mm -hmm. I had for that kind of weather, this kind of weather were beach, <laughs> beach wear, really. So mm -hmm. I struggled to, and I still look at the people and think, how how do you wear that suit and that tie and that shirt and in this heat. So there are those things like that, real practical considerations. One of the other biggies for me has been the medical system. So you don't understand the medical mm -hmm. system. So once where you would have, you know, I might have gone to my general practitioner if I was in the UK. I might not have, but I know I would have had that option if I wanted to. So you might be in a country where you don't understand the system or some of the options that are open to you that you know of aren't open to you because they're not available in the country that you're in. So, and explaining mm. in a foreign language, what you're going through is, is tricky. There are big cultural differences between the way various systems work. So, you know, I guess I come from a system, A, that is free at the point of when you need it, and B, there's a there's a reluctance often to give medication. The culture is to, to not have that medication. Whereas in where I'm living now, we're lucky in the sense that we get private healthcare, but there's more of a culture of throwing a lot of medication at things. And when you don't know, you don't know how to, to cope with that really. Um, so there's some of the, the big differences. The other difference is, I guess, you lose your support. Well, I don't guess I know you lose that support network. You lose the people that are closest to you. And even in the UK, I would say, it's still hard to say the word menopause. You know, some people said to me, are you sure you want to do this? Like, I'm in denial. I don't want to go near this word. And I, it made me more determined, really, to think, well, we have to go near this subject and this world word and shine a light on it. So you might be living in a culture where <clears throat> it's not talked about or you don't know who to go and talk to about it. So there's there's a lot of subtleties and complexities to it, I guess. Plus, you're dealing with all those emotions that you're that happen when you change countries like you know lots of people will tell you you lose some of your confidence and I felt mm -hmm. like my confidence was somewhere across the sea in a shipping container making its way to us and even though all our stuff arrived within inside two months I think my confidence didn't come back until after a good few years really 
and in menopause mm. people will say I've you know women say to me I lo- I've just lost some of my confidence so it's like a double mm. whammy really and it's quite a mm-hmm. it's quite a tangled web to unweave so that's they, they would be the main things that I would that come to the top of mm-hmm. my list really one of the things that I hear quite often from women, especially around menopause or just, you know, being over 50, is this idea of suddenly becoming invisible. Um, that you don't really, you know, show up anywhere in terms of um, advertising or just to help people view you um, when you're out in the world. Do you find that that's different where you are as opposed to being in England? Well, no, I guess, like, oh, this is, I don't know how to answer this simply. I I guess I've never been a person that sat well with invisibility. (laughs) So Mm. I don't really like that feeling. And so in England, I definitely Mm. didn't feel it. But then, you know, I know the culture, I know where I am, and I'm very, I was very vocal. So I guess when I moved, I did feel more invisible, partly because I didn't have the language. So it's really hard to express who you are without that language and without being able to say. Also, there's this kind of, you know, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, I hate it with a vengeance, but people use it. They use this term trailing spouse. I like to say accompanying partner or my husband was lucky because I came too. <laughs> That's like the way I like to phrase it. So you do have a lot of people saying to you all the time, what does your husband do? What does your husband do? And not, who are you? I mean, even in England, we're guilty of that. Aren't we saying, what do you do rather than saying, who are you? You know, who, what's at your core mm-hmm. as a person? So we define ourselves by those, those roles that were assigned. So I did feel that I became more invisible. Yeah, for sure. And mm. it's it's a tough, it's a, maybe it's a good, a little bit of it's a good thing when you move abroad because it can be quite humbling because you suddenly not, you really do realize the privilege that you have in your own country. So I think it's one of those mm. other experiences that helps you to really develop your own empathy because you can start to feel what it's like for people who constantly are moving or people who've moved and they don't, they've not had a choice about that move. So, mm-hmm. but I think it's one we have to kick against really, because it's, mm-hmm. you don't have to be, that's, that's the point. We don't have to be, we can say, I get not to do this or what if I don't become invisible, what might happen then? So that exploration, I think, is important. Absolutely. Maybe tell me a little bit about what it's been like to overlay a pandemic on top of your experience um, in a different country. Rubbish, Kate. Rubbish. (laughs) That's a good one, isn't it? That's my professional opinion. (laughs) So, uh, personally, for me, it hasn't been so terrible because I always Mm. worked from home. 
What's been terrible mm. is having to work from home with my husband and son here because I do resent them. <laughs> I will put my hands up and say that. <laughs> so all this advice about setting schedules and boundaries, and I get it. But I still mm -hmm. resent the fact that they're here every day and I'm not going to not acknowledge that fact. So, um, right. and so, and also in Mexico, it's been, there's a lot, still a lot of uncertainty and confusion around what's happening with the pandemic. I know mm -hmm. other people have really struggled, other expats that I know have really struggled with not being able to see their families and friends some people, I, some women I know have been getting HRT and various medications from overseas and that's slowed down. They haven't been able to get that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in menopause, your anxiety can go through the roof. It's just, it happens. Mm -hmm. And so the anxiety of not knowing what's happen, happening has been really tough on people too. Um, it's hard to explain, really. I did an equation that was something like, you know, the menopause divided by expat life times by COVID is just <laughs> a big bloody mess, really. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and so we've had, to, you know, I think people have had to be much more conscious about <clears throat> acknowledging what's tough and and taking good care of all those, yeah, because it's just trailing on and it's still trailing on isn't it it's not mm -hmm. i don't know what it's like for you in canada but here it's not looking like it's going away anytime soon and that seems for a lot of the world mm -hmm. absolutely it's the same here it's very slow going um yeah we're we're on to sort of the third wave i think unfortunately mm -hmm. <sighs> so one other question I have for you, because I think I just think about this great community that you've developed and the women that you're supporting. What's the, the common thread? Like, what is it that you can see in other women that draws them to changing their life so dramatically in this way? I suppose that <clears throat> women get they get fed up and they're like, it, mm -hmm. surely it can't be like this. There's that certain level of you know, exasperation around it and frustration over the lack of information that's available, which is easy to forget when I'm surrounded by information about it constantly. But if you're not in that zone, if you like, it can be difficult. Um, so I think sometimes there's a certain feeling of relief when you join that community. Mm -hmm. And I think we just get can I say the pissed off word? Well, I just said it. Sorry. We just get really pissed <laughs> off after a while of feeling rubbish. And so you then mm -hmm. start to get that fight feeling back, don't you? You start to think, no, no, it can't be this way. And I think what happens in the group is then women start to see, oh, look, they've done that and they're doing this. And you, it's infectious. Putting that fire in your belly is infectious, isn't it? That you see other people. And you also know that, you know, women as some women start menopause really early, but that's, you know, for medical reasons. But I'd say a lot of women, the average age is probably around 40, 42 to start with those symptoms. What, what are we going to do? Just lay down and 
go, well, I'm just waiting until it's all over. <laughs> it's like, so no, so yeah. you've got this, you, they know inside them, you've got this wisdom, you've got this lifetime of experience, you've developed all these skills and you want to carry on using them and making, you know, making your mark on the world. So I think that's what drives people. And often it's a time when women start to reassess how, you know, you're mm. either, I don't think, I hear a lot of people talk about the time when women are winding down. I don't know any woman mm. who's my age who's winding down. They're all mm. wanting to carry on doing things and contributing. So I guess it's the time when you mm. think, do I want to carry on contributing in the way that I have been? Or do I now want to do that thing that's niggling at the back of my mind that I haven't yet done? And so you start to step into that space. You step into your wise warrior mm -hmm. woman. That's what I kind of, that's the, the image in my head. Well, it all sounds so appealing, <laughs> <laughs> even with some of the challenges, I have to say. Um, so maybe you could just give us sort of your biggest three takeaways. If you were thinking about relocating at this time of life and really a big move like you've done, maybe you could just tell us, you know, what are some things to think about? So the first thing that I would say to think about is just really think about if it's right for you or not. Do your research, mm. do your background research, talk to other people who've been to that place. You know, if you know the place you're going to do, talk to other people who've been to that place and start to try and imagine being there. That's that's one of the things that I would say. And before, if you do decide it's right for you, do that preparation before you go. Think about who you want to find out about, who might have information that can connect you to other people. So try to go with already a connection that you can hook up with when you arrive because one of the hardest things as a woman, as in a, a part going with a partner, is that you've had all this life in the country that you've been living in. And then that goes. So that could be like me that you came having only lived your life in one country or serial expats that move every few years will all tell you the same, that every time you seem to be starting from scratch, you might get better to adjusting, but you're still kind of starting from scratch. So I would say do that and also think about what you want to do while you're there. Think about what might mm -hmm. be possible mm -hmm. while you're there, even if it's just really you know, looking at the skills, if you know you're going and you've got, you're giving up a job or voluntary or whatever, whatever gives you that purpose for your life, think about how that might translate when you move abroad or what different things you could do. And, you know, the fantastic thing is, is there are lots and lots of people who've gone before us. So in some ways you can stand on their shoulders and learn from what they have done. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, that they would be my three really. So, you know, as soon as COVID's over, I'll be in down in Mexico. <laughs> oh, that's easy for you. You can come in. Oh no, you can't come now because they've got more restrictions on you flying in and out, haven't they? Yeah. 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 But you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. We we go to Mexico quite often, so yeah, you yeah. never know. So 
So tell me, where can listeners find out more about your work? Because it's such an important um, community and connection that you provide for women who are thinking about relocating or women who are already in an, in a different country and looking for more resources. So maybe you can tell us just about how to well, it's work. easy to find. I have a website. It's a work in progress, but I have a website, themenopausalexpat.com. And I'm most likely to be seen hanging out in a Facebook group called themenopausalexpat.com. And you can find everything you need to know about the work that I'm doing there. So right now we're working on Adapt Succeed Together, which uses the online program I was talking about, which is full I can't say it enough it's full of exercise and wisdom from uh, an expat coach who's been doing this work for many many years and we put that cherry on top of it by offering the one-to-one -one coaching and with myself I do a lot of work around really taking care of yourself recognizing that you're in menopause or and that you need to be more mindful about how you approach things so that's that's where you can find out more things fantastic so um we'll make sure that all of your information is included in the show notes and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today i just really love talking to you and learning about your life um, down in mexico and just some of the things to think about for women living in different countries and thinking about locating relocating to a different country. Oh, thank you to you as well, Kate. It's a pleasure. You Take too, care. bye.